Oh, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all this morning. Cold morning. Hopefully, you're not feeling too cold here. Um, hopefully, you're, if you are, you warm up a little bit. I want to welcome you to our service. Uh, this morning, as we come in time of worship, we come to praise our God Almighty. As we sang in our last song, that God is faithful. Uh, great is his faithfulness. Uh, he's a God that is true to his promises. He's a God that will always fulfill his promises. Um, and I would encourage you this morning to bring everything, everything that you would experience as perhaps a discouragement, a pain, uh, disillusionment, something that you would think and consider that you would, you would find is beyond you and that you would take these things and you would bring it to a God who is faithful and his promises always, his promises always stand. Because this is who we serve. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God of eternity. It is a faithful God. And we can, we can try all kinds of means and methods to find uh, solutions, if you like, uh, to all things that we're going through. But until we come back to very, a very simple faith that says, God, you are faithful. You are faithful and you're faithful to your promises. And so we've got to know those promises. We have to know what those promises are. And some of that I pray this morning as you, as you listen, as you listen to me share from God's word, that you're, uh, your hearts are open to hear what those promises are or what God is communicating to us, what he wants to tell us this morning. Imagine if you were going on some kind of hike and you want, you're out for a bit of adventure and you thought, I'll go on this hike that I've never been on before and you know the terrain is a little bit risky, you know that the adventure itself has its dangers and the leader of this hike makes it very clear to you and says, oh, this is where we've got to go. This is where we need to, need to be walking. Stay close to me. Don't drift. Don't go away from me. And you think to yourself, what's he know? What's he know? I've done hikes before. And you decide to go your own way. You decide to drift off. You decide to take it upon yourself to find your own way to the destination. And of course, it becomes incredibly dangerous you find yourself in a big mess and big search party has to come and come after you maybe 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 they'll they'll find you if only all along you listened you listened to the one who was experienced the one who knew the one who had it all worked out that you would just stay close as instructed to him yeah life isn't like that life for a lot of people they find themselves saying to themselves, I've got it, I've got it worked out, I know what I'm doing, I understand life, I've, I, I know the direction I want to go. And if only you would, I would, we would understand that at the end of the day, this is beyond us to comprehend, that we must stay close to the living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we don't come this morning and we say to ourselves, oh, look, I'm after a bit of adventure, I'm after a bit of excitement, so I'm just going to add Christianity to my life. You can't say that. You can't add Christianity to your life. You can't add the scriptures to your life, to your, to your already exciting life. You've got to stop and you've got to come to a realization that you don't know what to do. That's a real humbling place to be. That's, a, that's the real place to be when you can say, I don't know. I don't know which way I've got to go. I, I don't know. I need the hand of God. I need the blessings of God. And I pray this morning that we're really honest and humble enough to say, God, I don't know. I need you to keep directing my steps. I need you to take me on this journey because you are faithful to your promises. 
So, uh, so let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 11, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 11. And let's, let's read about another interaction that Jesus has with uh, this time, unlike I think the man we spoke about last week, the man who was desperately needy because he was blind and uh, saw, saw his needs straight away. It wasn't, you can't, you're not going to go up to a blind man and the blind man say to you, I'm not blind, are you? It's like, it's a bit strange for a blind man, so I'm not blind. You know, so he saw his need, he understood his need and he heard Jesus come along and he thought, that's it, I'm done. I believe I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to scream out and call out to his name. And, but this week, interestingly or differently, we, speak, we see now interaction between Jesus and what I think to be some people who rather than saw the depth of their need were really quite full of themselves. They were really quite, they were quite um, believing that they had it all worked out. Do you know people like that? Do you, do you feel like that? And it really all kind of worked out. And so really they came to Jesus not requesting something in a sense deep in their hearts, but they came to Jesus almost wanting to get him to give them the answer they wanted to hear. It. Yeah, they, they wanted to hear. Not the answer they needed to hear. And I think that's so reflective of life. People come and they ask for Christian counsel. They come and say, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? What do you think the Bible says about this? And I'm always curious, do you really want to know what the Bible says? Like, are you really interested in what the Bible says? I can tell you, you're probably not going to like it. You're probably, it's probably going to be quite confronting. It's probably gonna, but I tell you what, it's going to change your life for good. It's going to transform you. And so rather than coming and asking a question because, you know, um, I, I, I want to I try and get the answer from this man. I want to try and squeeze out the answer I'm looking for uh, rather than coming and saying, just tell me as it is, please. Just tell me as it is. And that real place of humility, this real place of honesty that strips us from being full of ourselves to really, in a sense, to know ourselves, to really know ourselves well. And coming to that place, there is, there is freedom. Coming to that place where we can really, really know ourselves well. And these men, unfortunately, didn't. Unfortunately, these men came to Jesus hoping to get him to a place where they could get him to answer the question the way they wanted him to answer it. So in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, we read this from verse 23. And then they came again to Jerusalem, that's Jesus and his disciples, they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests, listen to the three groups of people here, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, yeah, very, very significant, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders all came to Jesus. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one question and then answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Answer me. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? 
But if we say from men, they feared the people for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So they answered and said to Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus answered and said to them, well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. I love it. I love the interaction. I love the engagement with Jesus. I actually kind of find it quite fascinating how these conversations they had with Jesus where he didn't feel the pressure and the need to answer every person just because they wanted a question answered. He wanted to deal with the real matter. And sometimes the real matter is not the question that you're asking, but the intent and the heart by which you're asking it with. And so Jesus is more interested in why is it that you even want to know this question? Do you really know yourself? Do you really understand what's going on in your heart? You know, do you really understand that what you're seeking here perhaps is a way out rather than a way in? And so this, this, these interactions with Jesus are quite fascinating and quite liberating because they give us hope that Jesus knows us so well that he won't let us get away with questions that are going to hurt us, with, with inquiries that are going to destroy us. And if we're really seeking genuinely truth and we're really seeking genuinely, genuinely answers to life, if that's who we are this morning, then Jesus has no other way but to give it to you. This is who he is. But coming to this place of humility, coming to this place of honesty, of understanding and knowing ourselves is the key of finding the answers to life. Now back in verse 27, they ask him a very interesting question, or they come to him rather, and they, and they basically say, sorry, in verse 28, what, what authority are you doing these things? Now probably what they're talking about here, if you go back a little bit, You'll see in verse 15, when Jesus was last in Jerusalem, when he was last in Jerusalem, um, the Bible says, uh, uh, verse 15, so they came to Jerusalem and then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. And then he taught them saying, it is not, isn't it written? My house should be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it into a den of thieves. And the scribes, here we go, and the scribes and the chief priests heard it and they sought how they might destroy him for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. So just before when he was last in Jerusalem, he was turning over tables into the temple. He was saying to the people, this is a place that should be a place of prayer and you've turned it upside down. You've taken what should be holy, you've taken what should be sacred, you've taken what should be good and you've made it something else. You've made it something that it shouldn't be. You've twisted the whole concept of why I gave you this because you've been so um, self centered in your own ways that what I gave you you've made different it's like Christianity today people have taken the bits that they like and they've made it whatever they want it to become and so Jesus when he was last in Jerusalem was tipping over tables and now he comes back into Jerusalem and the chief priests and the elders say to him why are you doing these things tell us what authority are you doing these things by but Jesus doesn't have to um um give in to these kind of pressures he knows confidently by what authority he's doing these things 
But interestingly, when he was throwing over tables and he was tipping over tables in the temple and he was being questioned around this, at the end of the day, Jesus is trying to focus back on what really should be done. And I can only imagine people in the temple thinking things like, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he doing this? Come on, this is normal. This is what we do now. What are you so worried about this for? This is the standard now of life. Why is this guy ruffling feathers? Why is he making an issue of something that is normal for us? Because that's what Jesus does. You see, what he does, he looks into communities and he looks at the standards of communities and he sees in there not what society has become to accept as normal, but what his heart says is true and right. If you're going to live by society's standards, you're going to go downhill very, very quickly, aren't you? If you're going to go with what, what people say is right, your life is going to morally decline very quickly because we're not living by standards that society set. We're living by the truths of God. And so Jesus does this beautifully. What he does is he confronts the standards of society and he confronts the standards in your own heart. And he says, why do you believe this now? Why are you believing what you believe? So the next time someone says to you, oh, that's so old-fashioned what you believe. Oh, that's so out of date <laughs> what you believe. I want you to ask yourself this question. Very simple. Why is it out of date? Who said it's old-fashioned? Ask yourself that very simple question. Who said it's old-fashioned? And just because a, a group of people have determined that something should not be like this anymore doesn't mean it shouldn't be like this anymore. Question it. Ask the question for yourself. Unless you're scared, unless you're scared about the backlash you're going to get. But I tell you what, be more scared about the condition of your soul and where it's going than what people think about you. And so Jesus wasn't scared by what people thought about him. Jesus was committed to the truth. He wanted truth. And so when these people came to him to ask him questions, he saw right through them. And he saw exactly. They weren't really interested in the answer because they were more concerned about themselves. So in verse 27, they come who should be quite mature people chief priests, scribes and elders, very mature people, people that maybe others looked up to and thought, oh, if anyone's going to know the answer, these ones are going to know the answers. If anyone's going to be righteous and good and, and, and mature, well, surely it's going to be these ones. But Jesus saw it again right through that. Because he's not looking at outward appearance. He's not looking at people who present themselves to be wise and smart and good and learned He's not looking at that. Because how many people have you spoken to who've had really beautiful words and articulate and sophisticated and philosophical and you, you think, whoa, they're so smart. But they know nothing about life. They know nothing about what life really is. It doesn't mean learning isn't good. It doesn't mean studying isn't good. It just means do you really know what life is? So these men should have been really expected to have some kind of maturity um, struggled with very, very simple questions. 
And in verse 28, when they said to him, well, what authority are, they, are you doing? Um, and then they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? Jesus took the opportunity to challenge. In fact, I think they were coming with a mindset of something like this. We know we're right. We know we're right. And we know you're wrong. But we want to ask you the question anyway. I think that's the heart they were coming with. We get it. But let's see if you get it. They didn't know themselves. They came inquiring. But Jesus was about to shock them. And if you come this morning inquiring, let your inquiry be one, not seeking an answer you want to hear, but let it be one that seeks an answer that God must give you this morning. And if you're genuine in your inquiry, as God speaks the answer he needs to give you, then the only thing as you come face to face with the truth is to surrender and to respond to what he says to you. That's life. That's life. It challenges humanity, but Jesus did that all the time. He always challenged humanity. A long, long time ago, legend tells us that the Greeks had this saying inscribed into one of their temples, the Temple of Apollos. And this inscription in stone was very simple. It said, know thyself. And for many, many generations, people and philosophers have argued and debated and tried to understand this concept of know yourself. Know yourself. And it's quite profound that they actually were thinking like this back in the day because really what they were challenging people to do is stop thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Stop thinking of yourself like you got it all together. Stop being full of yourself. And rather, know yourself. Because when you come to a place of really, really knowing yourself, you begin to realize how desperately you are in need of a saviour. Not a better mind, not a better outlook in life, not a better philosophy in life, but of a saviour. And so in some ways, these um, um, people of old had, had a kind of, were, were, were heading in the right direction. Just got to know yourself. And it's something the Bible speaks about. The Bible tries to describe to us something about knowing ourselves so that we can actually come to find life the way we ought to find it. I mean, psychologists do the same thing. If you're familiar with any form of psychology, they're on the right track when they come up with the idea of becoming self-actualized. You know, you have your basic needs, then you've got to feel safe, then you're going to feel loved, then you've got to feel good about yourself, and then you reach this place of real sense of what life is being creative and, and understanding facts. And, and you know why? In a lot of ways, they're not wrong. But what they're missing, what they're finding hard to grasp and really get their teeth into, their teeth into, is this idea that their soul is desperately lost without a saviour. 
And so while we like to progress as humans and we start to really know ourselves better and better and better, until we start to realize just how empty we actually are, we'll never cry out for a savior. We will never experience fulfillment. So philosophers, psychologists, (laughs) they're not wrong because they understand deep within us is this longing to know ourselves. But who's going to fill it? Who's going to complete it for you? Where are you going to go? Who are you going to run to? What are you going to do? What are you going to experience? What are you going to try and experience in life in order to get to the place of fulfilling this? Well, Jesus does it to this man. He does it for them. He does what needs to be done. And why does he do that? Let me tell you a secret of life. Let me tell you something profound, I believe, anyway. The reason why Jesus does this is because Jesus knows men. He knows men and women. He understands them. You see, the Bible tells us, and none of us would really probably like to accept this easily enough, but the Bible tells us in the the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament that the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked. Now, we don't like to hear that. You can't tell me my heart is wicked. You can't tell me that my heart is deceiving me. I love going by the feelings of my heart. If it feels good, I'll do it. If it feels like I'm going in the right direction, I'm going in the right direction. Don't come and tell me that I'm deceiving me. Well, look, it may not be deceiving you, but I'm just telling you the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately wicked and it's going to take you in a direction that's going to lead you away from a saviour, from the Lord of creation. Until you come back and you say, Lord, I've got to guard this. What does your word tell me I've got to do? Not just how do I feel I've got to go. Does that make sense? It's really uncomfortable to hear because it's everything the world is telling you not to do. And so Jesus knew men. And so back in the Gospel of John, we won't turn to it, but I'll just explain it to you. Back in the Gospel of John, um, after, uh, sorry, during, in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in Jesus, the Bible says. Many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. So they saw signs, presumably, if I'm not wrong, but, uh, the, the, the wedding at Cana, they saw signs. Um, but the Bible says this, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he knew what was in them. Interesting phrase. So while they believed in him, and perhaps they were saying all these great things about him, no, you're so good, you're amazing, I want to follow you, come, come to our place, come and preach where we, where we live, and all these things, Jesus said, I'm not going to commit to this because I know what is in them. And while that's kind of hard to understand and even somewhat frightening to think he didn't respond to them, it's quite actually liberating because he's not driven by you and me and how we feel emotionally you've got to do this Jesus you've got to do this Jesus he's driven by what is good and right for us and there is a security in that with Christ there is a security in that imagine a prayer like this Lord don't give me what I want myself give me what you know I need myself you know what what a prayer And yes, we pray for things, and yes, we ask for things. But the heart that knows, Lord, (laughs) 
Like one person I think once told me, thank God he doesn't give me everything I pray for. Can you imagine that? How many, more, how many times over we would destroy ourselves? And so knowing ourselves is, is, is liberating in some ways. And, and I get people trying to, that's why people do personality tests. You've done them, I'm sure. Why? Because you want to know yourself. You want to know something of yourself. Well, let's turn to the scriptures more to understand it. Verse 29. But Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you one question, then answer me. And I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, some of us might look at this question and think, oh, he's being a bit difficult, isn't he? Just answer them. Why, why, why enter into, just, just answer what they want to say and move on. You know, are you being difficult? Is Jesus being difficult here? No, of course not. In fact, I would go as far as saying, Jesus isn't being difficult here. He's actually being very helpful. He's being extremely helpful by asking them this question. He's being extremely helpful by saying to them, hey, you know what? I'll answer you if you answer me one question. Why is he being extremely helpful? Because by asking him this question, he's going to get them, hopefully, he's going to get them to a place where they can really understand who they are. They can stop thinking of themselves more highly than they ought to think, much like what we do and people do. And getting to a place where you stop thinking to yourself, you know, I'll be, I'll be right, I'm on my adventure, don't need the person guiding me, this is fine, and realize, you know what, you, you can do this, but you're heading completely astray and you're going to head yourself straight into a place of danger. He says, Jesus is saying, oh, let me ask you a question, and if you answer it, because if you answer honestly, if you answer it, I'll tell you. If you really want to know, I'll know because you'll answer me honestly. Make sense? And if you answer me honestly, it shows me you really want to know. And so I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. But because you don't really want to know, what you're doing is you're asking questions maybe to please people, maybe to make yourself happy, maybe to make someone else happy. Hey, why don't you ask a real question? Jesus, what do you really think about me and where I'm at today? Yeah, mum says this, dad says this, my friend says this, the, my teacher says that. What do you think, Jesus, about me? Truly, if I come face to face to you, what do you think about where I'm at today? That's a real good question to ask him. Because if you're asking him the right questions and you're ready to hear the right answer, then you're going to come to a place where life, where you find life. But if you don't and he doesn't answer, well, you know what? Maybe that's for your good for a season and so he asks him he says well I'll give you the answer if you give me the answer it's like someone who, who's angry at me and yelling at me and saying why well, you always think you're right and me turn around saying, or, or even asking me rather why do you always think you're right and me turn around saying hang on why are you so angry for <laughs> and then get really frustrated I don't want to talk about my anger why do you always think because that's the issue. <laughs> why are you so angry for? Let's deal with what really matters. Because you don't really want to know why I think I'm right. There's a deeper issue here. And this is what Jesus is doing. So he asks them the question, verse 30. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or was it from men? Boy, this is a sensitive question. This is a very sensitive question. 
Because John wasn't, John wasn't short of a, um, how could I say it? He was certainly, he was a very, very bold man. <laughs> and they didn't like him. Of course, John um, um, said to Herod he couldn't have his wife because she was married. Uh, he was married uh, in, under the Jewish custom. He was married illegally. And of course, that was furious for his wife at the, of the time. So he confronted society's standards, didn't he? He confronted the standards and he said, look, this is not the way of God. So it was a very, very sensitive question, but what it did, it brought them face to face with the reality of who they were. And that's what tough questions do at church and through the scriptures. And they bring us face to face with the real part of who we are. Why are you angry for? Why are you holding on to your pride? Why won't you let go of what you think you know and come face to face with truth? All these tough questions that we come face to face with. And as we learn more about this, I believe, we learn more about Christ. Let me put it a different way. If these men and if we today come face to face with the real questions of who we are. And we say, Jesus, who am I really? Am I really angry deep inside? Am I a really angry person? Am I, I really, am I really selfish at heart? Am I a really jealous person? Am I really driven by the applause of people? I want people to like me. Am I really driven by by, by lustful desires and a need to have more? Who am I really, what am I really, really like? If we come to Jesus and we ask him, Lord, I want to know myself. And I'll tell you something. So little room, so little room for hypocrisy. You believe that? So little room. Which, which man, which woman can be accused of being hypocritical when all they want is, Lord, show me more about myself that I may know you more and have you more. As compared to the one who doesn't want to know about themselves but really will cover layer after layer who they really are, they're one thing to one person and they're another thing to another person. They're one person at work and then they're another person at home. They're one person at the football and they're another person at the playground, whatever. But we come face to face and say, Lord Jesus, I'm done with trying to be many things. I just want to be who you want me to be. I don't want to to be full of myself. I want to be empty of myself. I want to know myself. And I want to come face to face with the truth. And the more you come face to face with the truth, the more you learn of Christ, the more you become like him, the more you become real in life. This is freedom. This is salvation. Lord, cleanse me of my ways and fill me with Christ and Christ alone. So he asks him a very sensitive question, and then they're stuck. And it's a good question. I think it's a good place to be. Let me read you some scriptures here before I sort of wrap this up. God forbid that we would ever think of ourselves to be, ever think of ourselves long enough to be okay, even good, or maybe even better than someone else. And may we always become to a place where, like the Apostle Paul, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I'll tell you the truth, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
by the grace of God, I am what I am. How humbling is that? Yeah, you know, you can, you can talk about how much you want about me. You can tell me how good I am. You can tell others about all the thing, wonderful things I've done, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's to someone who knew himself. Someone who understood himself. Consider this verse from Romans. I'll just read it for you, Romans 12. For I say through the grace given to me that everyone who is among you, not to think of themselves more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Isn't that beautiful? The Apostle Paul is saying quite clearly, don't think of yourself more highly than you should be thinking, but think soberly. Don't go and make decisions that are impulsive and irrational and quick because you think you know, but wait, stop. Don't think of yourself more highly. Think soberly. Think about what you're going to do. So you don't go pursuing judgment that's irrational and and, and wrong, that's going to hurt people, but come to a place where you realize that you need Christ and Christ alone. It's like two people arguing and all of a sudden, I don't know, maybe you've been in an argument before. But it's like two people arguing and all of a sudden their argument becomes about who wants to be right, not what is right. That's people who think themselves more highly than they ought to think. All of a sudden, it's not a, I don't care anymore who's right. I said, I don't care about what's right. Oh, I just want to be right. That's someone who doesn't know themselves. They're driven by the, the, the desire to win the fight. They don't know themselves. Rather, than to be like Christ that says, you know what, even in this argument, I must not think more highly than I ought to think, but rather think soberly. That's someone who knows himself, even as parents, even as parents. You get into a conflict with your child and rather than the determination to win because I'm your parent and I'm going to win, to think soberly think what is right here and to know myself you're not insecure if you lose an argument you haven't lost your status as a parent there's nothing glorious of winning something just because you have a title but think soberly who am I here know yourself and let Christ take its place does that make sense Galatians 6 3 for if anyone thinks himself to be something When he is nothing, he deceives himself. Wow. Do you understand that? If anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Is it possible to come to a place where you think yourself to be something? And God's looking down thinking, "Mm, not sure. Maybe you need to have a bit of a reality check. Face the truth. And here's the Proverbs 1, Proverbs 18, verse 2. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. There's someone who doesn't understand themselves. One of the things of a fool, um, biblically, is a fool is someone who says, I'll do it my way, not God's way. In other words, I've got it worked out. They don't know themselves. Yeah? And that's why the scripture says here, it says quite clearly, a fool has no delight in understanding. They don't really want to understand, like, much like these men. They don't really want to understand. They just want to express their own heart. I just want to tell you what I'm thinking. I just tell you what I want to tell you. They don't really want to get it. 
They want to unload without getting the advice they need. That's not life. But to come to a place where we know ourselves and find our rest and our truth and our healing in Christ. So to finish this off, look at verse 31 to verse 30. We'll start with verse 31. And they reasoned among themselves saying, well, if we say from heaven, he will say, why didn't you believe him? But if we say from men, they feared the people for all counted John to have been a prophet indeed. So here's their human reasoning. They begin to reason among themselves, which is problem number one. Okay, I've got a question here. I'm in a dilemma here. Rather than going to people that are really going to help me or to God himself, let me reason among me mates because they've got the answers. Surely, the bloke I work with, he's got it all worked out. He reads philosophy books. Let me go and sort it out among people. Let me reason it out. Go for it. But until you come to the source of life, how do you know anything's true? And so they come and they reason among themselves and they're not really seeking the truth. What they're trying to do is find a loophole to the truth. (laughs) Well, if we say this, that's not going to work. And if we say this, well, that's not going to work because we're scared of the people. And a lot of people don't come to the truth because they're scared of people and what people are going to think of them if they give their hearts completely to Jesus. What's so-and-so going to think? What's my parents going to think? What's my friends going to think? Whatever it is. If I give my life to Jesus, oh, I'm going to stand out. They fear. There's fear. And so this is what these men were doing. They were trying to find a loophole. If we can't say that and we can't say this, well, Jesus says, well, I'm not going to tell you. You really don't want to know the truth, do you? You really don't want to know the truth. And I'm doing this for your sake. I'm doing it for your sake. I'm not going to tell you because what it's revealing to me is you really don't want to know. But I tell you something, and I believe this. If they came to Jesus and honestly answered him and said, Lord, truthfully, he was a prophet. And you know what? We messed up. 100% Jesus would have told them and given them life. Because here they were with hearts ready to receive. Verse 33, so they answered and said to Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus answered and said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What about us today? If we asked the Lord Jesus Christ and we said, Jesus, you know, we know the scriptures maybe. Uh, we've been coming to church for a long time. Hey, we grew up in the church. We grew up in a good Christian home. But where am I really? Do I really know myself? Or am I navigating life hoping that somehow my, I'm good enough to get through and that you'll be okay with that? And if this morning we're asking Jesus that question, can I encourage you this morning, firstly, to ask him that question, Lord, where am I really? And if we want to ask that question this morning, like, don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry. They're not, they're not going to determine whether you go to heaven or not. 
They're not going to determine, they shouldn't determine whether you know Jesus or not. Just, just block them out for a moment and ask yourself the question, where am I really Jesus before you? If I, if I believe you are who you are, where am I? And then come to a place of readiness to receive from him. Jesus will always receive those who come to him. He will never cast them away, the Bible says. In fact, he goes the extra mile and he goes looking for the sheep that is lost because I think he hears the sound of the sheep in the wilderness, scared and alone. And he finds them because they need him. And this morning when we pray, I ask you to if, if, if this is where you're at, to ask the Lord that simple question, where am I, Lord? Where am I really at? And have the Lord speak into your life and to come to him saying, Lord, I don't want to be full of myself. I want to know myself. I want to come and be filled with you and you alone and your truth. Yeah, there's a standard out there that if I follow, boy, it's going to lead me astray. But I want to do it your way, Lord. Let's bow our heads this morning. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. As we've got our heads bowed this morning, I just want to read this passage from Jeremiah. The Bible says in Jeremiah, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor even let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, says the Lord. Let's think this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ invites us to come to a deeper understanding of ourselves by coming face to face of who we really are, that we can know him more and more. And as we learn more of Christ and we dig deeper into his word, we become full not of us, but of him. But we've got to be real with who we are and trust him with our lives. Trust him that he will complete and fulfill and fill every area that is in need. That he is our sufficiency. Brothers and sisters, as we come and we um, before the Lord this morning, it's just you and him. You need to think about it as you and him this morning. It's not me, it's not a church. Uh, you could be anywhere this morning. But just think about it as you and him. And, and join me as we pray together a very simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to know more about myself. I want to understand myself more and more. In areas of life that lead me astray, in areas of life that I hold on to, that I know are really just trying to save my life rather than actually um, lose it for your name's sake. Lord Jesus, we want to understand this more and more that we can be free. That rather than be us, it be Christ in us and your truth and your word. And we are so desperately inclined to do our own way that we so much need you. So as you reveal who we are more and more, Jesus, in the little things and in the big things of life, by your grace and by your goodness and by your amazing love, forgive us 
Wash us clean, Lord. And restore us more into your image, more and more, that every motive and intent of the heart would be driven by a love for you and a love for man, for love for those around us. Father, we thank you that you do not allow us to be driven by our own questions, and, but rather by the truth. I encourage you, brothers and sisters, friends, to come with the same sincerity in our hearts and join us as we sing together before we close this morning.